Thanksgiving is this week, and indeed, even in the midst of uh, this year and COVID, we have much to be thankful for, and it's good to have such a time to focus on that, uh, to fight against uh, bitterness, to fight against anger, and other like uh, temptations that we have, uh, brothers and sisters, myself included. Uh, so our sermon today will be on that for our encouragements and edification. We have a call to worship, a call given to the world, and we are blessed by the Spirit of God to be able to attend unto that call. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let us bow our hearts and heads in silent preparation for worship. Let us pray. We come before your throne room, God above, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed three in one, you, Father, who has arranged our salvation from eternity past, and Son, who has accomplished it in time and space, and the Spirit of the living God of holiness, who has applied it into our lives, even to this day. We are grateful, God, grateful always, not just on this week, for that salvation that you have brought to us. Lord Jesus, continue to be with us. May we continue to plead the blood of Christ. May we continue to trust in you. May we continue to persevere and grow in sanctification and holiness in the walk of the Lord. Your goodness towards us is great indeed as we sing in Psalm 137, Lord, and the many wondrous things you did for the church of old, not just Israel, but it's the church in particular that had taken on Israelite form. Before then, it had taken on various other forms, Lord, that were not Israelites, Lord. Noah was saved, and so were Adam and Eve. They were part of the church. And we too, Lord, the Gentiles and any Jews with us as well, God, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the goodness of God above for his people. We are thankful for that, God, for your grace, for, Lord, giving us the many physical things that we need for our health, for our food, for our warm house in the winter, for clothing, God above, for the rest and inheritance you've given us, even for entertainment, for the peace and security that we find ourselves in, even in the midst of 2020, God. The vast majority of us, in particular, Lord, the Christians in our church have such things, and we are grateful, God, grateful indeed with thankful hearts. May we meditate upon these things in awe and wonder of who you are and how you continue to give them to us. Lord, even in spite of our sins, both individual and collective, here at this church and across the OPC and other churches across this nation, God, for we do sin, for that is what we preach other people, Lord, that, that salvation is for sinners and that we are sinners saved by grace. Help us, God, to continue to grow therein and may this time of thanksgiving, of gratefulness of our hearts, help us to grow in love and adoration of you. We pray for our nation, we pray for our society and our politicians, God above, that again, that you would shut the mouths of the wicked, uh, make the evildoers trip into their own traps, Lord, and certainly, God, we pray for their conversion and salvation, that uh, they would have access to the word of God. We pray, Lord, for our uh, Christian leaders across this nation. We have so few, Lord, compared to generations past that you would be with them, that they would stand firm, and they would be courageous and do the right thing and have wisdom and understanding of the times in which we live, our, find ourselves in and live. We ask for more truth of COVID to come out, Lord, for more proper and proportionate response to the COVID now that we've had much more 
information agreed upon by uh, all parties, it seems, Lord. And uh, yet here we are. So we pray, Lord, uh, certainly, God, because it is real and the risk is very high for aged amongst us, God, that there would be a quick and safe vaccine or some kind of resolution to this, Lord. And we pray, God, uh, that our freedoms would return quickly and that there would be a normalcy and that there would be a moderate response to these issues, God, especially, Lord, for what should be an easy thing, which is to make more masks, to make more hand sanitizers for those who are high risk, God. Uh, but they're not doing that. Um, I, it, it, it's, it's, it's so obvious, Lord, that many of our leaders care little for us. Uh, they don't take the fifth commandment seriously, which says that as magistrates, uh, as business leaders and the like, as bankers or whoever else has influence in society are like fathers to their children, to the family, and they ought to treat us accordingly instead of living in mansions and faraway places and having their own access to money, even our money is God. It's, uh, the injustice and the like is quite infuriating. So God above, we pray to you and cry out to you as the psalmist does. As we will see this afternoon, a righteous plea, we pray, God, that you protect our high risk. And we have a lot in our church and many churches, God that we could do what we can to help them stay safe and uh, when they can, worship with us, Lord. We ask God above that you would continue to give us peace and protection in this nation, in our state, in our city, in our counties. Lord God, we pray especially for the church to protect us from evildoers, from those who have plans and machinations. We, really, we knew about them for years and now they seem to be in a position to exercise them, especially if they get the Senate. And God, I pray that, again, they would be stopped cold in the tracks. There are wicked men in other places as well in the Republican Party. Uh, they are wicked in very, their own ways, Lord. Uh, often it seems to be a wicked of passivity. They don't care to actually protect us, to stop the wickedness that we know is coming in many regards, Lord, especially with the tax upon the family. There's very little pushback. And so, God, we pray that they would also be stopped and they would also be converted. Lord, be with us in our work situations. We're, again, thankful for the vast majority of us who have employment in the midst of many people who are unemployed or partially employed, uh, which really hurts their family and their situation. It's very hard for them. We pray in particular, God, for our Christians, brothers and sisters across this nation who are struggling with these things. May we continue to work and find good employment and to stay employed and to use the money for your glory, for the good of our family, for the good of God's kingdom. We pray for our health situation, in particular, God, for those who have chronic ailments, that you would be with them, help them overcome and help them persevere through the such difficult times that we would pray with them and be with them as we are able. We pray, God, for the seasonal difficulties upon us, Lord, outside of COVID that are there anyway, other sicknesses, Lord, and that we would take proper precautions anyways, God. We don't want to be sick for several weeks out of work, even if it's not as uh, bad as other sicknesses, Lord, the, the flu. Many of us don't want it. And so may we also be considerate in that regards, Lord, and uh, do what we can to stay healthy, to eat well, to exercise as we are able, Lord, again, to do the things that we are called to do by your word and by what we understand of natural revelation, to do the things, Lord, to preserve life, uh, to protect our family, Lord, to provide for them and for one another and for the church of God. For the church is embedded in a physical world because it saves physical people. And so uh, she has needs as well, Lord, that is material and financial needs, as we are in particular many churches like ours don't have a building. Uh, it makes it difficult. So we pray, God, uh, for our health. 
for the church here and for our sister churches and others, Lord, who are struggling. Be with us, we pray this day. May we focus our mind on you, put aside all cares and the distractions of the week, which have their place in time, but this is the day that the Lord has made. And may we rejoice and be glad in it. In your name alone we pray, for your glory alone. Amen and amen. Let us read the Ten Commandments. We have an insert. The Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Hear also the words of the Lord Jesus, how he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let us turn to our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, that's after Philippians, which is after Galatians. First Thessalonians 2.13, let us listen attentively to the Word of God. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the Word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth the Word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. And so here we read about thankfulness, and we read about thankfulness, brothers and sisters, in the context of the gospel and of the church. Let us pray. Lord, with these words, we read uh, Paul's encouraging exhortation to the Thessalonians, Lord, the Christians there at Thessalonica, that he is thankful for them, Lord. He is thankful for them 
Because they are the church of God. They have received the truth. They are Christians and believers. And so he is thankful, Lord. Not thankful only for the things that God has given him in this world and for his own soul, but thankful, God, for the church of Jesus Christ. And may we uh, learn anew, if need be, and be encouraged to continue, as I know many of us are, to be thankful for the body of Christ, for the church of Jesus Christ. In your name alone we pray. Amen. Thanksgiving is upon us once again, and to help us avoid the rut of the same thoughts and same attitudes, perhaps, to give you a fresh perspective towards Thanksgiving, I hope this sermon does that. I want us to be thankful, and I know I think you are, for God's church. And not in the way (laughs) uh, many Americans kind of are, they like Humanity, but they don't like humans. You've heard that old joke, right? They don't like people. Um, unfortunately, many people like the church or the idea of the church, but they just don't like their church or their churches around them and Christians around them. We ought to be thankful for the Church of Jesus Christ, for Providence, for our Presbytery, which is also a church. It's a regional church of the body of Christ, uh, as well as all the churches of Jesus We should be thankful for our health. We should be thankful for our prosperity. And we should be thankful for our security, but we should be thankful for the church of Jesus Christ that we are joined to by faith and through baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. Often many are thankful for the saving of their souls, and that is good. I think that goes without saying for Christians, that we would have this in our hearts, even if we don't have it on our minds that we are indeed grateful for what God has done for our souls. But the saving of the souls, of course, is not done in a vacuum. God has given us the means of grace to grow in sanctification. Preaching and prayer and praise are good examples, even baptism, because baptism is used to bring you into the church. These are all done, the preaching, the prayer, and the praise, but especially the preaching, of course, in the bosom of the church, in the sacraments. So this Thanksgiving, I want us to think, perhaps if we've not, upon the goodness of God in giving us the church of Christ. Christ, yes, but Christ does not come to us again in a vacuum, but he comes to us as the head of the church of Jesus Christ, of which particular church we find ourselves in here at Providence and elsewhere are local manifestations of that one true church. We ought to be thankful, the first point. It's a general axiom, a truth in the Christian life, and of course, even outside the Christian life, unbelievers have this urge upon them, although they thank the wrong people, or they don't even believe in thanking other people but themselves. In Philippians 4, 6 we read, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. We ought to pray to God and have many prayers and supplications and concerns, but also thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude and of love and adoration. Last week we heard of the need to avoid fretting and anxiousness in the psalm. Prayer and thanksgiving are ways to overcome fretting and anxiousness. It is hard to do two things at once, in your mind especially. Maybe you can move your hands and your feet, but in your mind you have one thing you're focusing on, driving and controlling your hands and your feet. If you focus on thanksgiving, if you focus on the good things of God and read his word and prayer, that helps crowd out the fretting and the anxiousness. The old Puritan saying they had a lot of good 
sayings. The idle hands of the devil's hands is one of them, as well as the idle mind is the devil's playground. And fretting and anxiousness is one of the things he likes to throw at us as darts. So thanksgiving for God's goodness, for the things that he's given us in the Christian life. We pray, we bring petitions before him, we cry out to God, and we should be thankful as well as I know I think we are often. First Thessalonians 5.18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, another command. It's not a request that we are that should be thankful as Christians, although it comes often freely from our hearts. Sometimes it doesn't. Remember the other commands that come upon us? You think of the Ten Commandments, but there's another one that, again, most people don't think of as something that should be commanded. Love. Christ tells us to love one another. It's not a request. Well, it should come so naturally. Well, it does, but sometimes it comes and spits and it spurts out and kind of stops like a, a leaky faucet or a broken faucet. It's inconsistent. That's true. And so we need these urging. We need the urging to be thankful, to be grateful, to have a heart bow before God in meekness. Giving thanks to God Almighty is not just for the things we like, of course. It says in everything we ought to give thanks. That is, to be thankful in our hearts, even in the midst of difficult times in our lives, like in 2020. Thanksgiving is commanded. Thanksgiving is required. Thanksgiving is a moral obligation by God, and it does flow from our hearts more often than not than we realize it, because we are born again. It will come out. The Spirit is with us. We are born again. We have new thoughts. We have new desires. And there's a spontaneity that comes out once in a while. Now, sometimes people need a swift kick in the other end. And uh, Watson has a little quote to that extent. An unthankful person is a monster in nature, a paradox in Christianity. And that's certainly true as a rhetorical device to remind us of how unseemly it is to have such grumblings and anger towards God. But it does happen in the Christian life. And God is a Father who loves us. And he will hear our requests for repentance and the blood of Christ if we've been grumbling instead of having thankful hearts when we ought to have thankful hearts. We don't have to have emotional outbursts to show gratitude before God. It's not as though my way of expressing it and your way of expressing it are opposite and therefore one's right, one's wrong. It begins with the heart. We know that. And different cultures express grief differently, but we know grief when we see it. And same with gratefulness and thankfulness. We manifest it differently. We have different subcultures in America. The South is a little different than up the Northeast, uh, Northwest and the like. So uh, we should not fall into the trap of thinking that people have to express it or say it or talk about it all the time. Uh, some people on Facebook like to put up you know, pictures of all these Bible verses and, and uh, Thanksgiving often. Maybe that helps them remind them. We should be quick to think someone else doesn't put it up all the time. They're not very grateful. I've seen that. It's kind of interesting on, on uh, social media. Someone puts up on Facebook, well, maybe now's the time to think about stop putting up so much political stuff because maybe you're too obsessed with politics. Well, maybe they are, but maybe they aren't. Maybe you just aren't paying attention enough. It's kind of kind of a strange thing to write out just to blindly to strange people on, on Facebook. So we should be um, you know, slow to speak, slow to judge, and... Uh, one another. And remember that Thanksgiving begins with the heart, and it, it does spread forth as we are able. And having a Thanksgiving, a National Day of Thanksgiving, is a good time. It's a, a means, right? Uh, a, a tool to help you and I 
to refocus once in a while. The Lord's Day is like that. God gives it to us weekly because he knows we need the rest. We need the time uh, to calibrate our minds back to God again because so much comes upon us throughout the week. And we see examples of Thanksgiving in the Old Testament, celebrations like Purim. And we too can do the same thing. And we have historically as the Western nations have days of Thanksgiving, not just days of fasting, but of gratefulness uh, to put aside all the wrong proportions and distractions and say thank you, God, for giving us prosperity. Thankful not just in general, it's not just the command in general, the first point, but thankful for the gospel in particular, the second point. First Timothy one twelve we read, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You read this, and I know some of you read this like me, and you see yourself. Like Paul, you were blasphemers. Perhaps you persecuted other Christians by mocking them, like in school. An insolent man. Paul was thankful for the salvation he got for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever specific sins that you had, that you know you were before you were saved, and sure, you still struggle with some of them. But you can say with Paul, I'm sure, that you were formerly a sinner. You were formerly insolent, prideful, arrogant, lustful, a blasphemer, a persecutor. I don't know the particular ones that you had. But like Paul, you can read this and say, I thank Christ Jesus my Lord. He has enabled me. Isn't that great? The doctrines of sovereign grace are wonderful. That's why we praise God. Because we know what we were without Him. That our natural inclination was not to follow Him, to praise Him, to submit to Him, to believe in Him. But to do our own thing. As we see this nation trying its utmost to run off the cliff. Because it wants to do its own thing and flee from God. God is good, and we are thankful for the gospel in particular, for the good news that those who blaspheme, those who persecute, those who are insolent, those who are lustful, and those who make fun of Christians can be saved. And we can tell our children and our children's children our life stories. The biographies are good for that. It shows people God's special providence, right? Not just as, oh, God's in charge of everything, general providence. No, it's a special providence where the things that happen in your life are directed for your good. And you can look at them and say, God did that for me. And our children can learn our stories and praise the Lord. And our children's children. For Christianity is generational, as we see in the Word of God. And it's good to recall the good things. So on Thanksgiving week, if you don't do it other times, go over in your mind or tell your family members, go over the stories again of the things that you did. You were like Paul in many ways. And God saved you. God delivered you. He changed you. 180. It's like, I hate that way. I want Jesus. I want his gospel. I want the good news. This is the work of God, and this is a specific thankfulness. As, as we are to repent of particular sins particularly, we should also, is a reciprocal to that, right? Thank the Lord for particular blessings particularly. Not just kind of a general, oh, I thank God, he's a wonderful God. Okay, well that's good. You can say that, it's not wrong. But don't forget to thank the Lord for specific blessings in your life. 
And one of those, of course, above all, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, which we read, We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. This calling, this regeneration, the justification, adoption, sanctification, ultimately glorification, is the salvation he is speaking of. We thank God always for you, brethren. Because God from the beginning has given you salvation, has chosen you for salvation, sanctification and belief in the truth, that you believe and trust in Jesus to save you and bring you to heaven, is the gift of God and we are most grateful for that. Are we not saved? By belief in the truth, as he says here. Sanctification, yes. Chosen by God, yes. But God has all things in his time and his place. And belief in the truth of the gospel is part of that chain of events, the golden chain of salvation in which we are saved. And the truth of being saved was often given to us, the call of the gospel is often given to us by a preacher. By the word of God, yes. Word of God given to you by Christians who came from a church. When should we thank God above for salvation? Certainly on Sundays, but not only on Sundays. Ad hoc, on the fly, sure, those are good times as well. When it comes to mind, we know we're busy. That's how God designed us. We can only do one thing at a time. That is focus our mind on one task at a time. And sometimes we need to, if in the middle of the week, stop. Prayer time is good for that. Structure our life enough to do some family devotions and put gratefulness in that list of prayers that you do or reading. Read some psalms on that. Ten-point list from your kids, perhaps. Get them to start thinking in these terms. Because it's easy in America. We're so prosperous, even in the midst of all the problems of this year. For kids to grow up, we have so much prosperity, we have so much material blessings. We don't know what it's like to starve, many of us. Not to know what our, where we're going to live the next day, where our food's going to come from. With so much prosperity, it's easy for our ears to grow fat, right, and dull, and our hearts as well, even as Christians. So it's a warning, and I'm offering you, encouraging you to continue, perhaps try a new way or do what you continue to do. To maintain the heart of gratefulness. I know we're born again. I know it should come so naturally. But again, we're still sinners, aren't we? So when we say naturally, it's qualified. You still have that struggle, Romans 7. And so we need to use what we can through personal devotions, through Sunday worship attendance, through the preaching of God's word, through prayer, to carry on a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. Wonderful God, thank you for this. Not just the gospel, but thankful for the church that preached the gospel. That's the third point. The Mother Kirk is what the Scots used to call it, or still do. Uh, some uh, couple of Scotsmen on the Thursday Bible study. God is pleased to use beggarly and weak things of this world to humble and magnify his grace. Is that not a theme in the Word of God? Paul says that. The church is the most humble indeed because it's full of sinners and it's run by sinners. Inconsistent in practice, weak in knowledge, stricken by division, the world laughs at her, the devil persecutes her, the flesh weakens her resolve. 
And yet she still stands. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of God because the Spirit of God is with her. We should be thankful for this weak body that is thankful for the body of Christ in spite of her weakness, in spite of her inconsistent practices, in spite of the divisions, in spite of the world laughing at her and the devil persecuting her and the flesh, your flesh, weakening her. Why should we be thankful? It was her baptism given by God in the Great Commission. Christ Jesus said, I want you to baptize the nations. My daughter is part of those nations. She gets baptized. That's one argument for Presbyterianism, that you baptize the infants. This is especially true for the children of, of the church. It should be just as natural to honor Mother Kirk as it is to honor your mother. Or your father. Does your mother sin, yet you still love her and try to help her? Does your mother church sin? Well, you should still love her and try to help her. And I think you do. Why be thankful? Not just the baptism God has given us as a public separation from the world, which is used by the Spirit to further strengthen our sanctification and resolve. I've been marked. You've been marked. From outside of the world to be separate. That's what holiness is and sanctification, to be separate from the wickedness of the world. We should also be thankful for her doctrine. It was the apostles' doctrine of Christ that led you to Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't speak to us today? That is, he doesn't come in the flesh and start talking to you right now. He has the flesh. It's in heaven right now. And it will come back. He will come back. He's given us go-betweens. Right? He gave us the church. And in the church, he picked some and set them aside and made them pastors to preach and speak. And, and you yourselves, of course, are go-betweens. Even though you don't have an official office, like the Christians of Acts and elsewhere, you speak when the opportunity arises. You talk about Jesus. You give people Bibles. That's the doctrine you're giving. The Apostles' doctrine. That's what it talks about in Acts 2.32, isn't it? That they broke bread and they had prayer and they continued in the fellowship of the, do- uh, the Apostles' doctrine, the doctrine of the Apostles, the teaching of the Apostles. The apostles are what? The church, the twelve leaders of the church under Jesus. They're the under the great under shepherds, and I am the under under shepherd, and you know, however you want to <laughs> describe it. Do you love your parents? But what authority do they have over you that God did not give them? What love and discipline have they shown to you that uh, that was not given to them by God. They're, they have it by God's power and authority. And so we ought to also love the church, even though she is but a steward of the things of God, and the authority that she has is derivative from God. In particular, the means of grace are reasons to be thankful as well. I touched upon baptism above. Here, the preaching of the word in particular. How did you believe in Christ? From what lightning bolt from the sky? <laughs> what silent meditations brought you to the reality as you stared at the constellations? None. None whatsoever. In fact, Romans 10 tells us the opposite. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How can they call upon him whom they not believed? And how can they believe of him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It's a chain of events. And how shall they preach unless he be, and they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And we could add, not though we are adding to the word of God, but we are 
bringing from other passages of the Word of God to, to, to the truth of the doctrine of the call, that we are saved because we hear and we hear and we believe and we believe because we have the message spoken to us. And the messenger, the preacher, how shall they preach unless they are sent? And who sends the preacher? Well, Jesus does, sure. But again, not from a lightning bolt in the sky. We're not charismatics. I grew up in that world. Through the church. Jesus uses the church to call pastors. To call that preacher who will preach so that someone can hear. And when hearing, they can believe. And in believing, they shall be saved. Do you believe that? Again, another reason to be thankful for the church that Christ has given us. It's from her that the messengers, the evangelists, go out. We see that through Acts. Hopefully I've, I've highlighted that one appropriate as you've gone through the book of Acts, that the church is involved. That they laid hands on Paul. Who did? Angels? No, men. And men got together as a church, a gathering of God's people in Acts 15 to make decisions for the rest of the body. That's the church. Acts is about the growth of the church. We should be thankful and continue to be thankful in spite of what the world tells you. Don't listen to the world. I know you are thankful for the church. That's why you're here. And encouraging you to think of different ways to be thankful that God has given us this great institution as a means, right? It doesn't replace Christ at all. But he tells you to use it. Your parents give you many things in life to do, but it doesn't replace your parents. Learn about this. Learn my history. Here's a biography. Here's the pictures of me, my album. But the pictures don't replace your parents as much as you like looking at the pictures of your parents when they're younger and they were married and maybe they were little kids. And But it's there to help what further, furthers your love. The kids grow in more love. They see the old pictures and they become one with their parents. They learn relationally more who they are and, and the like. It doesn't replace them. And the church doesn't replace Christ. It's there to help further our growth and love for one another and for Christ. The church officers in particular is what I want to end here because it ties to the text in which we find ourselves. I have not forgotten it. First of all, what we see in 1 Thessalonians is the fact that a church officer is thankful for the church. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing Paul and Timothy because when you receive the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men but as as it is in truth the word of God. You became Christians. And if you're Christians, you're what? You're the church. He's thankful for the church. He's thankful for the Christians of the church, not just as an institution but the individuals. For your presence, for your prayers, for your smiley face, for your encouraging words, I am thankful. And so are our church leaders. For your thoughtful questions, for your challenging admonitions, for your desire to learn more about Christ, I am thankful. I speak the words of Paul here. For this reason, I thank God without ceasing. Because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from me, from us in the session, you received it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Now, on the flip side, of course, you should be thankful for the church leaders, and I believe you are. We ought to be and should continue to be, again, in spite of the world and the world mocking and making fun of, and even amongst Christians, unfortunately. Many Christians just free flow from churches. They don't take church authority seriously. I've certainly seen that in my lifetime here at Providence. And many of you have seen that other churches you've been to as well. Where'd that, where'd that family go? Well, they were malcontent and they were angry and they didn't like what happened and nothing seemed to ever go well for them and they're mine and they're gone. 
The church officers are part of the means of grace. They're part of the ordinances God has given the church to help you grow. Deacons take care of uh, your body and physical concerns as they are able. And some admonition goes along with that. Don't forget. They're like, you know, you're being pretty irresponsible with the church's money. <laughs> you know, you're just throwing it around. We gave it to you to help your family, not to spend it away. So there's moral admonition involved in being a deacon, or can be. We forget that. And we have to be thankful because the deacons want to be there and want to be helpful. It takes time and commitment. And the ruling elders and the pastor as well. To be thankful that God has given them to us. They are in Ephesians, they're called gifts. Ephesians four. God ascended on high and gave gifts to men. And he gives a list, a partial list of those gifts. And they're officers, they're they're men. Like you and like me. So this passage is a church officer thanking God for the church, but it also reminds us that we should be thankful for the church officers as well, because there's always a reciprocal relationship in God's kingdom of the superior to the inferior, and vice versa, as they say in the old catechism. It's another reason to thank God for church officers, because when they faithfully present the word of God to you, it is in truth the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. Right now, as I preach this passage. Brothers and sisters, let us be thankful for what God has given us in the church. The gospel is here, in the the preaching of the word, in the church, in the Bible, which is the center of the church, and her as an institution, and for each other, for one another, as all the passages tell us over and over again. Let us be thankful, brothers and sisters. Let us continue to be thankful, as I believe many of you are. This is not an admonition, but an encouragement. In a day and age which does not take the church seriously, even in Christian circles, to be grateful. So I leave you with this thought. Meditate with thanksgiving this week to God on the goodness he has given you, especially in giving us the church of the living God. Let us pray. We're thankful, God. So grateful to have hearts brought to you through the church, through the preaching of the word, through, Lord, hearing and believing. And not just beginning of our life and justification, regeneration, but in sanctification, the continuation, the growth and maturation and holiness and the admonitions that we get, not just from the pulpit, from one another, God, as we're called to admonish one another. And these are good things. They are acts of love by those who are committed through baptism to one another. We pray, God, we will continue to have such hearts of love and gratefulness to you for the church of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you all. Amen.